welcome to The Unveiling with your hosts, Ajay, Mark, and Tim. Three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you enjoy today's discussion. Let's dive right in. We've talked about all what grace is, and we've kind of talked on what grace does for us, but what is the biggest advantage that you guys see to grace? Isn't it the freedom that we have now? And that's kind of the upside to all this. Not that there's any downside. I'm not saying that, but this is the this is the thing where you don't have to walk around defeated. You don't have to go around feeling guilty. You don't all these things that you don't have to deal with anymore because you're now free. And that's what I want to spend a little time talking about tonight. If that's, I mean, you brought, are we all in agreement? Sure. Yeah. I would say as far as freedom being the biggest thing, I would say the biggest thing of the gospel is that now we know God, but that may be, that could also be defined as a sort of freedom too, right? I guess freedom from darkness and not knowing God, but don't, you know, you know me, the hair splitter. So, uh, but, um, we're about to find out though, aren't we? Whether freedom is the big thing or not. God lead us and lead us into the full truth, full measure of truth. There you so go. hit me, Ajay, what do you got, man? Yeah, well, you know, uh, yeah, in Hebrews, uh, it says, right, you know, salvation is called as a so great a salvation. So there are many aspects many great things to salvation. So that's why it's called uh, so great a salvation. So, and of course, like you said, probably the biggest thing is knowing God, right? You know, having a relationship, but out of that relationship, we have so many benefits. And one of them is the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And tonight we're going to talk about what types of freedom that is. What are the yeah. different types of freedom? Yeah, yeah. Can I read Ajay's text from today, Tim, to kind of set us up? Because sure. I thought he did a great job enumerating uh, some of those freedoms. He said, yes, freedom from the law, freedom from guilt and condemnation, freedom from fear of death and fear of hell, fear of freedom from fear of losing our salvation, and freedom from sin. And then one, I just love that. It's a great list. And uh, I, f- I think if we count it, there'd probably be seven freedoms, wouldn't there, Ajay? <laughs> I think it is seven, actually. <laughs> Things tend to always work out in sevens for Ajay, but, uh, <laughs> which is the perfect biblical number of completion, they say. But um, that's a side note. But as I looked at Ajay's list, it seemed to me that freedom from the law, and by the law, I mean that specific whole system, of being judged by what we do, how well we do the things we should do, and how poorly we're doing the things we shouldn't do. That when you remove that system, which is what Christ died to do, and I really feel like many times preachers spend a lot of time focusing on the fact that our sins are forgiven, which is awesome. We're not trying to belittle that, but they don't spend as much time on the fact that Christ died to take us out from that work system and, and bring us into righteousness, which we've talked about recently. So I'll kick that back to you guys. That that freedom from sin piece that we talk about there, I'm, I kind of like the fact that it was at the bottom of that list because it's not the most important part. It's not about being free from sin because then 
people want to try and turn that around. But the freedom from the law thing is freedom from that reward and punishment system that religion has put on top of the law even further. It's you have to do this or you'll get that. Or if you have to do this to get that. In other words, you know, if you don't straighten up and fly right, God can't bless you as much. If you don't give enough money to the church, you won't get your seven, ten, hundredfold blessings. Uh, or, you know, if you forgive, God will forgive you. You know, it's it's that freedom and reward that we constantly end up striving for because no matter how you take the law, it ends up being something that I or you have to do. We don't have to do these things to get anything or to not be condemned by it. And that is the hugest freedom right there to me. And the Apostle Paul called that system a yoke of slavery. That was his exact words about living by the law. And he was speaking to Christians. He was speaking to the Galatian Christians who were starting to add things back in again. And he said, you know what? Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burned again by a yoke of slavery. And I've heard so many people falsely teach that he's talking about the burden of sin, of you know, the burden of slavery of sin. He's not. He's talking about the law because he's specifically talking about those who were trying to add the part of the law that you had to be circumcised to be saved, to make that part of salvation. So it's clear the Apostle Paul is saying we are free from the slavery of religion, of do this, don't do that, that whole work system, which depends upon us, which doesn't depend upon Christ. It's our ability. And some of us are naturally born sinning less than others, or some sin in ways that are more apparent, let's put it that way, and others sin more quietly and, (laughs) and discreetly, you know, so they have a good frontward appearance. Yeah, Mark, you know, the scripture you're referring to is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, liberty, by which the Christ has made you free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So to, to support, you know, what you're saying, that it is not uh, freedom from uh, sin, but rather here the context is the law. <laughs> if you just go back one chapter, right, you know, in Galatians chapter 4, just before uh, that uh, first verse of uh, chapter 5. You know, it talks about the two covenants, right? And starting from verse 21, the two covenants, Paul says that, you know, the two covenants is referring to uh, is the old covenant and the new covenant. And in fact, he talks about Abraham had two sons, one by a bondwoman and one by the free woman. So he's referring to uh, the bond woman, which is Hagar, and then the free woman is Sarah. And then he says the two women, they represent the two covenants. One is Mount Sinai, and the other one is, you know, uh, Mount Sinai in Arabia, which corresponds to Jerusalem, which is now in bondage. But the other one refers to Jerusalem, which is above, which is free. So from this whole context, you know, you can see that uh, he is referring to law and grace. And the law is the one that, you know, takes us into bondage. And grace is the one, you know, that uh, makes us free. And if you go all the way down to verse 30, it says, you know, verse 31, 
So then, brethren, we are not children of bondwomen, but are of the free woman. And going back to uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 again, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with which Christ has made us free. So like you said, you know, one of the greatest freedoms that we have is the freedom from the law. Because law, you know, not only just about, uh, you know, earning our, our righteousness or earning our salvation uh, or earning our blessings by our own self-effort. But the bigger thing is, right, you know, if you fail to keep the law, right, we are under condemnation and curse. And that's what happened with all of us, right? Uh through Adam, sin came into the world, and then we all sinned. And now we are under the condemnation of the law. You know, most of us think that, you know, we are under the laws, law so that, you know, we can become righteous and thereby, you know, we can gain blessings from God. But the fact of the matter is we are under the condemnation of the law and the death. And then, you know, we are only looking forward to hellfire. That's what is our situation. So knowing that we are freed from the law means that, you know, we are freed from condemnation and judgment and hellfire. And we are also freed from this burden of, you know, uh, trying to earn something by our own self-effort and rather, you know, resting in what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. Well, in, in 2 Corinthians 3, which is Paul's, we've talked about this many times, Paul's brilliant comparison of the old covenant law to the new covenant in Jesus' blood through faith by grace, he calls the old covenant law a ministry of death and condemnation, but he calls our new covenant a ministry of righteousness and a ministry of the spirit. Then at the end he says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you just want your soul just wants to scream out, freedom! It's just, you can just feel that the law is never going to lead us to freedom because one, the Holy Spirit is not in the law. The Spirit is in faith in Christ, which gives us freedom in all, in really all parts of our life. Yeah. I'd like to point out a couple of practical real life examples of this yoke and slavery that we're under. And that is even in the church, uh, I would arrive on Sunday morning and the pastor would start his five-part series on 10 ways to get closer to God. You know, each week I'd listen and I'd, I'd go, oh yeah, that sounds really like sage advice. And I'd, I'd start working on those two points, you know, and in the next week there'd be two more points. And now I've got four points I've got to try and keep up on. And by the end of this five-week series, I've got 10 different things I'm trying to focus on. And as you can imagine, with each week, my ability to focus on any one or two or so many of these has been watered down and, and uh, you know, is now unfocused. And the next week I'd come into, you know, seven, seven steps to a better prayer life or whatnot. And it's like, no matter what I did, I couldn't keep up because there was so much stuff being brought every week to give me new rules to follow. That is a yoke of slavery, you're bonded, you're, you know, you're bound to be trying to fulfill all these things you think you have to do. And when you can't do it, that leads to guilt. And now I feel bad about not being able to do it. And I mean, and this cycle keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. And, and eventually it, you know, I think a lot of people get just get to the point where, well, you know what, I don't know, I, I can't do it no more. And they either walk away or they just 
you know, going to church just becomes a thing that they don't really get too involved in emotionally, mentally, or spiritually. And that leads to, you know, people not being able to live that relationship that can bring such beauty to your lives. Well, when you think about that kind of teaching and not, you know, I'm not trying to be unkind to many preachers who preach their series on different aspects of the life. There's nothing wrong with preaching to be a better father, to be a better, you know, in your job, to be better serving the church. There's nothing wrong with that. It's how you do it. And generally they do it where we're the focus. They're going to give us helpful hints and tips, accountability. Even at worst, they'll guilt us to do us doing a better job. Where when you are in the freedom, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's not just freedom. There's a Christ focus. It's all on Christ. And when our focus is Jesus, we are transformed. Because once again, 2 Corinthians 3 uh, Chapter 3 says that we are to contemplate his glory. He's our focus, and we do that with unveiled faces, removing the law. And when we do that, we're going to be transformed into the very image of Christ with ever-increasing glory as we walk through this life. Yeah. So it's Christ-focused, not me-focused, not a self-help manual. So, you know, digging a little deeper into... um how we are delivered from the law, right? So Romans chapter 7 talks about it. So Tim, you're referring to, right? You know, it's when we go to the church, you know, where they preach the law, right? You know, they give you the laws, you know, that you can never keep and it becomes a never-ending loop, right? And not only that, in fact, you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 7, right? You know, law is the thing that actually causes you to sin more. That is something, you know, we are totally missing in... uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 14, it says, right, you know, sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. And if you look at Romans 7, you know, the whole chapter is about if we are under the law, right? You know, Paul says, you know, I was once without the law and I was alive without the law. But once the law came, sin revived and it slew me, he says. And then it also says, you know, when the commandment came that thou shall not covet, that's when, you know, all manner of evil desires came up in him. So law is extremely like why it is important that, you know, to understand that being freed from the law is so important for us. Uh, there are uh, several things, you know, first is Galatians chapter three. It says, you know, if you are under the law, they that are of the works of the law are under a curse. So if you are under the law, you're under the curse of God. And Romans, we see that, you know, it is the law that kills us. So if we are under the law, we are under the death. Death is reigning us, right? So these are the two things, you know, we can never be blessed if we are under the law. And the third one is, you know, law is the strength of sin. So if you are under the law, right, you will end up sinning more. This is a third thing, right, about the law. If you are under the law, you know, we are under condemnation, under a guilty conscience all the time. Because the law says, you know, do something. And if you don't do it, we are under guilt. So there are so many negative things about the law. And the final one is, you know, Galatians chapter 5, verse 18 says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the the law. I mean, the converse of it is, if you are under the law, you cannot be led by the Spirit. You know, that's what Mark is also saying. Finally, there is one more in Colossians. It says, law is a weapon of the devil, right? 
it says in colossians you know we need to get some of these references and probably post it later uh, but in colossians it says you know uh, when lord jesus died on the cross right he nailed the law to the cross and disarming the enemies the powers the principalities right so the law is a weapon of the enemy you know most of us don't realize that you know our spiritual battle is actually here because if law is the enemy weapon of the enemy right you know if you are under the law that means you know we are weaponizing the devil so in order to disarm the devil and win the spiritual battle right you know we need to be not under the law and the beauty is that you know if somebody is under the law right you know the only way to be get out of the law if you are under the law and if you have broken the law right you know you have to be punished under the law so the only way to be freed from the law is let's say you know if there is a hardcore criminal he is in jail right and he is on the death row and let's say you know there is no way he can be escape from the law but let's say you know in the jail for somehow he dies he is freed from the law at that point law could do nothing to a person who is dead at that point he is completely freed from the law and that's what happened to us we are freed from the law you know not by doing something but through the death of our lord jesus christ through the body of christ right we die to the law so that we may live unto god so when we die to the law right you know all these disadvantages like all the five things we talked about they are removed and we are set free from the curse of the law we set free from the dominion of the death in our life we are set free from guilt we are set free from condemnation and we are set free from uh, the power of the enemy right the weapon we de-weaponize the enemy and then finally we are able to be led by the spirit and like i said in romans 6:14 it says sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law but under grace but most of the churches you know they exactly uh, reverse that uh, scripture they say that sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law sorry i think sin shall not have dominion over you because you are under the law they reverse the thing but the fact of the matter is sin will not have dominion over us if we are not under the law you know that is that's why it's so important right you know that we realize that we are not under the law and then we don't go back under the law well the bible calls satan the accuser yeah. right and what does he accuse us with he accuses us with the law if we are not under the law he has nothing to accuse us with exactly he is disarmed like you said yeah it's a great exactly. idea great yeah. thought and whatever we are accused with we can just say you know what you're right but jesus took that for me we don't have to argue with him or you know so a few weeks ago tim said something i really like that has been rattling around in my cavernous mind for the last couple of weeks and that is that god didn't give us the law to show us how to do it right he gave us the sh- he gave us the law to show us that we can't do it right and in that is where the freedom starts to come in when we own that and we say you know what i can't do it i'm going to stop trying and i'm going to depend and rely upon jesus because he's the only one who did do it and he did it on my behalf and right as we enter into that i think that's what jesus meant when he said whom the son sets free is free indeed yeah in fact you know law is given it's not only not to tell us that you know not to tell us that we can't do it it also to show us that we already broke the law right it is one thing you know there's one guy you know he is neutral right and you are introducing a new system 
and say, okay, either you can get a reward by following the law or you can get a reward by, you know, just believing in Jesus. But right now you are neutral. But, you know, for us, by the time law enters in our life, we already broke the law. It's like, you know, by the time you realize, okay, uh, you know, I'm speeding. By the time, you know, you already broke the speed limit. So the thing is, you know, the Bible says in Romans chapter uh, 3 and verse 20, law is given that, you know, the, every mouth may be shut and the whole world may become guilty before God. So law finds us guilty. The moment we discover the law, we are already condemned. So that is also important to know, right? It's not just, you know, law is given so that I can, by obeying the law, you know, I can get somewhere and get the reward from God. But law is also given to show that we already broke the law. And that means, you know, we are under condemnation. And Lord Jesus, you know, through his death, you know, he delivers us from the law and also gives us the eternal life, you know, that we can never get by obeying the uh, commandments in the law. And one of the other... um freedoms that you enumerated was the freedom of losing your salvation because the minute we're no longer under the law that it's not up to us well there's nothing we could do to gain it so how can there be anything we can do to lose it it's all christ and that's a great freedom there and that's a freedom that a lot of christians unfortunately don't have And that's why that debate has been going on between different denominations of the Christian religion as to whether you can lose your salvation or not. But Scripture is very clear that when you are in Christ, you can't because it doesn't depend upon you. The only way you'd lose yours is if somehow Jesus would fail, which he can never do. In fact, that's a great point. And uh, we can spend a whole podcast on this one because... It's very important for uh, believers to understand that we can never lose your salvation. And there are many scriptures, you know, to support that. Just think about the ramifications from that. Yeah. yeah. That, can, that can just change your life. Yeah, but Mark, to your point, right? And it's a great point. If you are not under the law, right? There is nothing that can condemn you and uh, cause you to lose your salvation. And like you said, you know, to begin with, we never got our salvation by the works of the law. So what makes you think that you can lose your salvation by not keeping the law? So that's a great point. And understanding, you know, that we are not under the law. Through that, you know, we can explain all other freedoms, you know, like you said uh, in the text. Some of the other freedoms that I mentioned, you know, all of them can be explained simply by, you know, understanding that we are not under the law. For example, you know, the freedom from guilt is if the law doesn't condemn us, right? We will not feel guilty. There's no guilty conscience if we are not under the law. So we are also delivered from freedom from guilt. But that doesn't mean that, you know, when we are saved, there are two things happen. Justification by faith, right? Our sins are totally forgiven. Past, present, and future are forgiven. And at the same time, you know, we are also given as a gift of righteousness. And when we receive the gift of righteousness, right, we are not only declared righteous, we are actually made righteous, our spirit man, the inner man, right? The Bible talks about when we are saved, right? You know, God gave us two things. Our bodies still remain the same, but God gives us a new spirit. In Ezekiel 36, it says, right, I'll give you a new spirit. That is, the new spirit is a life of Christ, right? A spirit that is righteous. It is no longer the dead spirit that we didn't have, that died when Adam sinned. 
but it's a new spirit that is a righteous spirit, that is the righteousness of God in Christ. The Bible also says that, you know, when we are born again, we receive a new heart. That means we received a new nature. So what happened during our salvation is, you know, first we are declared righteous so that we can receive the life of Jesus. But when we receive the life of Jesus, we are actually made righteous. So what that means is, you know, uh, after our salvation, we are made the righteousness of God in Christ and we will never be sinners again. Our core nature is changed. For, so there is a one thing, right? You know, a sinner remains the same, right? And he is taken out of the law. Even though the law doesn't condemn him, right? He's still a sinner. You know what I mean? But for us, that's not the case. We are removed out of the law and simultaneously we are also made righteous. So we can never be guilty. On one side, law is not condemning us. On the other side, you know, God gave us a gift of righteousness. So we are actually made righteous. So that way we are delivered from guilt as well. So we should never be condemning ourselves. Because if you go back under the law, right, you know, we'll go back under guilt and condemnation again. But when we consider ourselves dead to the law, right, all we have is righteousness. And righteousness gives us the peace and the joy and the hope of salvation, you know. And the fear of condemnation is completely remote. And kind of spinning all the way back to the beginning where I kind of made the statement that most people, when they think of freedom, the freedom that the Bible talks about, they think of freedom from sin. You read a scripture a little while ago that actually that is also one of the freedoms we have on a couple of different, in a couple of different ways. You read a scripture, maybe you can remember which one it was, that talks about that when we are no longer slaves to the law, that our our desire for sin, what, what was that scripture? You know what I'm talking about? We're no longer, once we're out from under the law, we're no longer slaves to sin. Yeah. Yeah, Romans 6, 14, it says, you know, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're not under the law, but under grace. So that that's a very counterintuitive kind of thing to most people take the law out, they think that's a license to sin, and that's what they're always worried about. But the scripture is telling us, no, it's just the opposite. You get out from it, you're no longer under it, and you're going to see sin diminish in your life as you go through your life. The other point is that I corrected myself on, and I'll dare to correct Ajay on now, is the saying that when Christ died on the cross, he died for all our sin, past, present, and future, but I recently just kind of deduced that, well, wait a minute, once we put our faith in Christ and we're no longer under the law, we no longer sin against God anymore. So we don't have to be forgiven future sin against God. It's just past sin before we come to him. Correct? I would say I agree with that. At the spiritual level between us yes, and God yeah. and us and Christ and the Holy sure. Spirit. Yeah. But we can still do things that hurt other people, right. that hurt ourselves, right. that uh, that we would have considered sin Sure. Up, in, up until that point. We can still commit these actions. It's just that we're not going to be ultimately held accountable. Now, that mean, doesn't mean we're not going to be held accountable here. If I go out and, and you know, hurt you— I'm gonna. I might lose my relationship with you, you know, or or whatnot. I still suffer some things in the physical, in right. the world. Absolutely. You know, if I commit a crime and get caught by the police, I'm going to jail. You know, that kind of thing. 
but God, God, my relationship with God doesn't change. I don't lose my salvation. I don't become a sinner again, and I don't get that held against me in in the quote unquote heavenly courts. Right. Absolutely. And what I would say is, the difference is is that when we sin against each other here on earth, even after we're Christians, it's no longer breaking the law because we're not under the law. We no longer owe God an apology. He paid for it on the cross. We do owe each other an apology. And I mean, there's plenty in the Bible from all the different apostles saying that we should confess our sins to one another, forgive each other, um, you know, go and ask for forgiveness. Those are all still very wise things to do to keep our relationships yeah. on earth in a good yeah. standing. But it doesn't, it no longer affects our relationship to God as far as salvation, fulfillment of the law, getting greater blessing if I don't sin against Tim or Ajay. Those, that's a, becomes a separate issue on, on, on the horizontal. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, we, you both are saying uh, and uh, actually addressing the different sides of uh, the same truth, right? With regards to God, he said he will rem- remember our sins no more. And Romans chapter four says, "Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin." So, as believers, right? Even as we when we sin, right? In Lord's eyes, it uh, he is not imputing to us because you know Lord Jesus Christ removed that sin as far as east is from the west. But at the same time, you know, in this world, as Tim, you said, right, as a Christian, as after I'm born again, right, if I go and do something, right, you know, go slap someone on their face, it's still a sin, right? It's uh, still a bad thing. Or if uh, we cheat on our spouses, it's still a sin. In that regard, you know, we are still sinning. uh, But at the same time, you know, as we discussed, Lord has removed all those sins, the sins that I commit today as a Christian, tomorrow as a Christian. All of them are removed already because of the blood of Jesus. I think we'll address this uh, later. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about it several times, but we are not saying that, you know, because of, because you are a Christian and because, you know, your sins are not imputed to you, you can go and live like a sinner and a wild life. You know, we will address that later. But again, I think going back, it suffices to say that if we are under grace and we are not under the law, sin will not have dominion over us. It means, you know, we will be, whether we realize it or not, we will be sinning less and less if we are under grace and not under the law. And having that freedom in Christ and the Spirit of God living in us, that does not lead to us slapping our way for, you know, that's yeah. not what comes out of that. That's right. That, that's yeah. not, ne- it's never going to produce that. Yeah. In yeah. fact, living under the law is what's more apt to produce that kind of behavior. In fact, uh, Paul addresses this in Romans chapter 6. I think at some point we can go into in-depth study of Romans chapter 6, you know, where he clearly addresses these questions. Oh, if I'm under grace, you know, I'm not under law. There's no punishment. Okay, now I can sin like crazy. So, that kind of thinking, you know, Paul clearly addresses that. And we know we are not preaching that, right? You know, our desire is that, you know, equip people not to sin, you know, not to give them license to sin, but actually, even if they have the license to sin, equip them and give them the desire not to sin. So that's a greater freedom than not having a license. Yeah. 
Plus, our ultimate goal isn't just to be not under the law, but under grace. Our ultimate goal is to live by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is never going to lead us to do that, right? If we were just under grace, but not under the Spirit, not in Christ, well, then perhaps we could go do whatever we want. But when you have the Spirit of Christ in you, it actually makes you love people more. Yeah, no, being under the being in the spirit is not going to lead. A, you just said these some of these words. I'm going to say them again. Sorry, isn't going to lead us into doing things. It's not our nature now. Is not okay. I'm the rules are off. I'm finally unshackled to do as I please. You know, it is. Uh, however, I am in the spirit. I love the Lord. I have the spirit guiding me. I may still do things that aren't spirit led or given because I'm flesh and I still live in the world. But those aren't because I'm trying to flaunt my freedom. It's, it's remnants of the old man that I, that I have not managed to. Haven't been transformed yet. (laughs) Thank you. There's the words I was looking for. Yeah. Again, you know, the freedom, the true freedom is not freedom to sin, but actually freedom from sin. And that's what the Bible talks about, right? You know, we are freed from sin through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when we realize that, you know, we are not under the dominion of sin and uh, we are set free from the law and we realize that there is no condemnation, it only empowers us to sin less and less. You know, when we realize that, you know, there's no condemnation, it doesn't, it's not like, oh my God, yeah, wow, now I can go and do whatever I want because... At the core, we are changed, and Lord puts new desires in us. And it is totally counterintuitive, but the more you condemn yourself, the more you are prone to sin more. And the more you realize that there is no condemnation, the more you are prone not to sin. You know, that is, again, the divine mystery of the gospel. The more you see yourself as a sinner, the more you're going to end up sinning. The more you see yourself as the righteousness of God— that's your new identity, and you're going to live out of that right, that identity. So we'll have to talk about uh, license to sin in another episode. But, uh, you know, that, I think that the idea we've laid the foundation is if we're in Christ, our new nature is never going to lead us into those things. We may still do those things, but they're not held against us anymore. Freedom from death, freedom from condemnation, freedom from guilt, all those things come with Even when you recognize I did something that really wasn't my nature anymore, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't sit there and beat yourself up. You learn from it, pick and move on. You know, it's, that's how your new life is free of guilt, free of condemnation. I'm not going to say those again. (laughs) Well, you know what? You can't say them too many times, Tim, because sometimes we're slow to learn and we need to keep Hearing that truth so that it sinks in to our very DNA. I was just beginning to feel like a parrot there. Yeah. Well, you know what? We've heard the opposite viewpoint our whole lives, time and yeah. time and time again. So we cannot hear that we are righteous in Christ too many times. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, IJ, I cut you off twice. What What you going to say? No, in fact, I was going to say, you know, on this podcast, you know, we are giving the conclusions of years of discovery, right? It is, uh, we are just saying, you know, we are not under the law, but, you know, it took us many, many years. So for someone who um, hears it for the first time, you know, they might 
for some it might be too good to be true but for some you know they might even get angry right it's almost like heresy for them so even for me it took me many many years even though we read in the bible several times we are not under the law but to actually realize and accept and believe it took many many years yeah i've got a couple of pastors that probably still have bruises from the fights and arguments we'd have over this having grown up in the performance based church where once you were you know you you may have been forgiven when you came to jesus but now you got to straighten up your life and fly right you know now these preachers telling me no you just have to love god oh wait a minute wait you you're changing my worldview, and I don't understand it, and I'm lost. And, and so we went rounds. I've, I've, I've had a couple of pastors who I'm really grateful for putting up with me. Well, there's a scripture that says there's a way that seems right to a man, but only leads to destruction. And so many times you hear pastors preach that as meaning sin. I don't believe that. I believe it means living under the law is a way that seems right. It seems right, doesn't it? It seems very religious that I have to do X, Y, and Z, that I never do the thou shalt nots, that I do. That seems right, doesn't it? Like, oh, look how, look how religious I am. Oh, I'm a religious boy, you know? But that only leads to destruction because salvation only comes by faith, by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. And I agree with you now, you know, as soon as you read that verse or said that verse, I was like, oh, really, literally another fresh revelation. You know, oh, that's what that means, being out from under the law. Not, right. You know, I mean, I, I don't have a, a corner on the truth here, but when when I hear certain things and get fresh revelation, not necessarily meaning brand new, but just another iteration of the level to which I'm understanding it. It's, it's uh, that free. All I can say is we're, we're talking about it. it's freedom. It's like, wow, boom, there's more, there's more right there. And, and we know that it's not referring to sin because that's not a way that seems right to a man. People that are murderers know that that doesn't seem right to them. They know they're not doing right, that they're doing wrong. But if you start talking about religion and following rules and the law, that seems right. You know, look at me. I'm a very religious sort. <laughs> so that was a, a good conclusion there, I think. Huh? And any last words from anybody, Ajay? Yeah, I think we might go back. We can go back to our uh, Galatians chapter five, right? So it is freedom for Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In order to, you know, enjoy the freedom and live the freedom that Christ gave us through our salvation by saving us, you know, it is very important for us <clears throat> not to go back under the law. So for whoever is listening to this podcast, right, so I would urge you, you know, if you think that, you know, what we are saying is kind of, you know, heresy or, you know, unbelievable, I urge you to go look at the scriptures, you know, especially this uh, from the book of Galatians, from the book of Romans, especially Galatians, right? So the whole book is about... Uh, uh, Paul is, you know, strongly, you know, against the people who are preaching the mixed gospel. And finally, he says in Galatians 5, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And that standing fast happens by not being entangled again with the yoke of bondage, which is a law. And one of the greatest fights in Paul's life, obviously, his burning passion was to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But what took up a huge amount of his time and passion and energy was opposing those that were trying to, as he called it, pervert the gospel. It's a perversion when we add one thing to faith alone in Christ alone. It's a perversion. You can't do it. He says you've fallen away from grace and Christ is of no value to you because you're adding your own works, your own ability to do things. If it was that an important fight to him, to, and the people he was opposing were other Christians. They were the council in Jerusalem, made up of some of the original apostles, the super apostles, as he called them, that were trying to add things to that gospel. And that was, that was his lifelong fight. And I feel like that's been a fight that's been going on since creation, throughout the centuries, from the first church, uh, through the Middle Ages into the Great Reformation, which was a return to the one true gospel that the three of us are talking about now. But then the same slide started to happen again from the time of Martin Luther and all the, the great reformers. Um, and, and Martin Luther, at the end of his life, even said that whenever you preach the true gospel, it's going to produce conflict, but every generation needs to take up the fight to preserve the true gospel. And that's really what we're about, is just defining that and helping people get back to that freedom. Amen. Well, thank, thanks, guys, for tonight. We would like to thank you for listening to The Unveiling. We hope you have enjoyed it enough to consider subscribing and sharing with others. We welcome your questions, comments, and feedback. You can reach us via email at theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com or find our Facebook page at The Unveiling Podcast. For IJ, Mark, and myself, God bless, and we will talk with you next time.